In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, once again we we pause in our busy lives to to gather around your eternal word. We ask, Father, that you would be mindful of us here this evening hour, that you would come as you have promised within your word where two or three are gathered together in your name, that there you are in the midst of us. Your Father, we ask that your, your presence would be known here this evening in the breaking of, your, of this bread, this living word that has come from heaven. Father, we ask that you would be with those who, who are not able to be with us this evening, who for sickness and, and other reasons, though they may desire, are not able to be here. The cares of this life often come, and, and sometimes the children of God, your children, Father, even has a, have a desire to be here, but but things things come up in this life that they are not able to to be together with the flock. Father, we ask especially that you would pray for those that you would bless thy word in which way you see fit unto unto those who do not desire to gather, those who are caught up in the things of this life and and the things of thy eternal word seem to be a hindrance and an obstacle in the mid midweek. Father, we ask that you would work in the hearts. Prepare all prepare your children, the elect that you have called from the ends of the earth. Bring them all all unto your bleeding heart, your heart that speaks of greater things than they that cries greater things than the blood of Abel, but that cries forgiveness onto a onto a world that seems to travel in so many different ways. We know your heart is is the same toward all Father that the desire is that none would perish, but all, that all would come to repentance. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The next song is number 155.
after my uh, my mother had passed away when uh, we children got together and and uh, divided up the belongings of of my parents one of the things that was that was left to me was this this Bible and many times when I uh, many times when I leaf through it I, I see little notes and markings that my dad where he marked scripture and, and uh, made notes here and there sometimes words are underlined and, and uh, this page page where the text is tonight was there's a bracket there's a bracket alongside a verse that that makes me wonder why why it is marked but I think I know why It's the uh, in the thirty-first Psalm, the eleventh, eleventh verse. It says, "I was a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and a fear to mine acquaintance. They that did see me without fled from me." I know this this can speak of the heart of Jesus the heart of Christ but it can also speak of a heart who has been made partaker of of Jesus for many times it's such that that uh, That when one would would uh, be made partaker of Christ and and uh, and the work performed within the heart is made known in in uh, in the outward life that there is there is often these things happen where we become a reproach and especially amongst my neighbors, as it says here. In other places, Scripture speaks that that within one's own house, that uh, that opposition comes to living faith. 
For our text this evening, we'll read the 32nd Psalm, and we'll read it in Jesus' name. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the great, surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place, thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held, held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Amen. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. We know that reconciliation with God, where man is reconciled unto his father, it encompasses two parts. Where God is reconciled and then when man is reconciled. When, uh, when Jesus died on Calvary's cross, the wrath of God was appeased, and man no longer had to fear the judgment of God. So as far as on God's part, man was, God was reconciled with man and he was, he was forgiven. All the sin debt of the world was paid in full on Calvary Center Cross. But the matter with man toward God is, is somewhat different. For he, because of sin within and doubts and unbelief, it is often a long time and sometimes never that he becomes a living partaker of, of 
forgiveness. That he would have a, a knowledge within his heart that his sins are forgiven. For forgiveness, forgiveness of our sins is not something that we would hear in our ear, but forgiveness is something that we experience within our heart, where man knows and believes within his heart that the matters are right with God. It is true that God has given us that means of, of his grace where he will, he has ordained it such that man would confess, that man would confess his sins and that the gospel message would be preached that we can believe that our sins are forgiven in the name and blood of Jesus. And this is a means of grace that God extends onto us. But it is not the grace in itself, for the grace itself is that Jesus has died on Calvary Center Cross, and that the blood that was shed there is for us. That it forgives, that it washes away sins. And it's important that we would would not lose lose sight of this matter and begin to trust and to trust in the means of grace instead of the grace itself, as it has been spoken before, that we cannot separate forgiveness of sins from the sacrifice. May God quicken within our hearts a living knowledge of, of, of what Jesus has done and that he has suffered and died for our sins and that he has walked that heavy road from Gethsemane to Golgotha to pay the price that our sin has, has caused him. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. When we sin, when we sin in this life, there is, because of, because of the curse of the law, when we sin, the curse comes upon man and because he has sinned he, he shall surely die this is the way it was written in the Old Testament but when our sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus God no longer imputes sin Scripture says that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. So the curse is taken away 
although the law is still there, God is God is still righteous, and and uh, this matter doesn't change. God doesn't change, but it is our own hearts. When man becomes a sinner, the heart of the man or woman, the man, uh, the, the person, the heart changes. Because this curse has been taken away, because cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree, it speaks of in Romans. So when Jesus became a curse for us, the curse was removed from the law. And uh, now the means in which, which God attains to eternal life is, is holy by grace. Grace alone availeth unto man that he that he can be saved. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and whose spirit there is no guile. Guile is deceitfulness. You know, we when we think when we hear this word guile we could we could think of a uh, of a fox where a fox is one a creature that has guile and is deceitful and it is sneaky and it is as as some some compare some compare to as being chess players where they they don't they don't come and attack in a direct way, but they work around the edges and they try to attack from the rear in a sneaky fashion. And there is much deceit involved. And this is and this is a spirit that has guile. But the spirit, and it says here, so we know that this spirit here is not speaking of the spirit of God, but it is the spirit within a man. It says, "Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not in, not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile." When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. This speaks here in words that. You know, if we if we didn't know the heart of a of the if we didn't know the experience of the heart, we would wonder why it, it uses these words of bones and waxing old and roaring. But what it is speaking of here is an awakened conscience. When God quickens His His word within the heart of man. And he begins to have a living knowledge of right and wrong. He begins to have a living knowledge of his own life and how it is before God. And when God makes known his righteousness and his holiness to him, he, he begins to see the corruption within his heart.
And as God begins to work and continues this work within him, man knows, especially we who have been brought up in the living faith, we, we know what must be done. We know we must seek out God's children, that we must seek out the kingdom of God. We know that we must confess. We must confess our wickedness that we feel within us. For we know that here we will find release. And I know you as, as I have myself know what this means when we, when we continue, when our conscience is burdened and sin is upon our heart and we continue to put it off and we continue over and over at night we'll go to bed and our conscience weighs heavy upon us the sin that is in our life becomes real and we are afraid to even go to sleep because we might not wake up And then maybe sin or sleep will come. Sleep will come. And we wake up in the morning. And it seems like we would just sigh uh, a sigh of relief. It seems like in the daytime, it's, sin is easier to deal with on the conscience. And our, our day is active and we go through our life. But yet again, we find no release. And another night comes. And we may even pr pray unto God that he would, would give us strength to put sin away. And sometimes strength doesn't come. And again we go through another period of time where the conscience our conscience is burdened and, and our heart is heavy. And this is what it speaks of when it says, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. And my moisture is turned into the draught of summer. Selah. And so it is for the awakened heart. It seems that the hand of God is so heavy upon us and we find no relief. And as it gets worse, it even begins to affect our life in the daytime. And we find no peace. And people look upon us and say, that maybe you have a sickness or maybe there is uh, maybe you have a, a problem with with uh, with whatever many are the many are the the reasons why people will look on a, on a burdened conscience those who do not know or have not experienced 
the awakened conscience and they will look upon and say that that you are ill or or maybe you're maybe you've been listening to the wrong preacher maybe you're so pressed down because you've been listening to legalists and so man continues he continues to deal with the with the burden with the burden of a of a weighted down conscience this word selah here is is i don't know what it is and i, I know that many theology uh, doctors of divinity and and, and that don't know what this means many, many will debate on what this means but i uh i guess the explanation that that i have uh subscribed to is that that it is is a uh a song these psalms were were sung and uh that it had something to do with the music that that was the end of the verse or or something like that And he goes on and says I acknowledged my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Now in the heart of the awakened is brought to this place he knows he knows what he has to do. I knew when I when I look back at my life and in my late teens and early 20s when I ran with the world I knew what I had to do. And I had to cry unto God in the early hours of of, of the of the morning when it was yet dark seems like many many mornings i cried out to god that he would have mercy and i knew that i had to confess and pour out my sin and it seemed like when i was before i was married i was living by myself i was a I didn't stay with anyone else so I was by myself in my apartment and and it seemed that that these matters the devil seemed to have such a hold on me that that he said that no you can't go you can't get up in the middle of the night and drive to see someone you can't wake them up and so I went on and I listened to the devil and more and more i battled with this with the burden conscience and i don't speak of this as that, that this was my first time i repented i was brought up in a christian home and i i experienced the the preaching of absolution from a much younger age than that but God, I believe that God was working. He was working deeper matters within my heart. 
than that of a child that I had experienced as a child. And some have said, as we have written, and I think I believe it was Gerhardt's book, he says that that God brought, or that Jesus brought his disciples to Gethsemane, and there were eleven. Of the eleven disciples, that the three of them he brought further, further into the garden. And they experienced more of, of uh, what Jesus had to suffer. And I don't know if this was why God worked this way in my heart or not. But I know, I know when many, when many others that I was with at that time, they, they wanted to... Uh, Live a life that was was freer and and uh, partake in more partake of more things in this life. When God took hold, He took hold of my life. He took hold of my heart. I found I found I had I had to deal with whatever He was doing within my heart. And it became a matter where, where sin was not something that was just confessed when, when we were caught, or that when someone, someone heard about it and, and we were, we found ourselves guilty in being caught for doing something. But God, when He worked within the heart, It didn't matter if anyone knew or not. But when he took hold, when he took hold, we found ourselves sinners. And then when God extended his grace, how beautiful it was when when the matters and through our, hear, through our ears, I was able to hear to hear that the, the blood of, of Calvary's cross covered my sins. In Jesus' name, it brought such a refreshing, refreshing onto my, onto my heart and, and sin-sick soul. And even after that, there, were, there was a time when the feelings of grace, when again it seemed that they went, and it seemed God was far from me. And it seemed that I, wa- that I was in a time of, of, uh, of uh, what you might call it, Believing in and out of grace, I know it's been termed that, where where man feels himself condemned and and uh, and when he confesses his sin, he feels good again, and then when sin comes again, he feels condemned and and back and forth. 
For several more years, we, I struggled with this, this type of heart. And even though I was maybe 13 or 14 years old when I first heard in my ears that my sins were forgiven in Jesus' name and blood, it was a good that many more years again. It was later in my 20s when, when grace truly was opened onto my heart. And I could see that sinner man that I am, that though I sin every day, there is an eternal sacrifice, an eternal Jesus on Calvary's center cross that would be revealed day after day onto my heart. And I could answer with the with scriptures where Apostle Paul, when he says that he dies daily, and I come to know what what that was. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. When the heart has been, when God has done a work within the heart, he finds that he, he cries unto God. And the desire of the heart is to come to know him better. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come unto him. And even in our life and in our spiritual life, when we are full and there is no drought, it seems a man has little need, little need of of God within, that God would work within his heart. Thou art my hiding place, thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. And as many times as I read this part of Scripture, it, it, it seems like it would come to, a, come to a place where where the freshness of it would, would wear, wear away and it would just become another, another part of Scripture that we hear many times. But this part has, has been precious within my seems like throughout my life where he speaks of that hiding place or should I say that throughout my life since he has revealed grace it's in the 30, 33rd 33rd chapter of Exodus 22nd, we'll start reading a little earlier. 
And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. The holiness and the righteousness of God is so great that he said when he passes by, he will place us upon a rock, that he himself will place us upon that rock which is Christ. And as he comes by, that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock. There in that rock, where that rock has been broken. And if that rock is Christ, where it is broken is in his wounds. There in that work that Jesus has performed on Calvary, sent a cross for our sin. And there he will place us and cover us there with his hand. Thou art my hiding place, thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Luther wrote of that the bit and the bridle they are that condition where man is still under the law of God and he feels within his heart that he must do something or perform in some way to uh, merit the grace of God. It may not be in some way or another. And these become evident when when God's word is is spoken spoken in such a way that a that the foundation is shaken. When man's foundation is shaken, he becomes angry and he becomes defensive and he becomes he desires to to justify whatever it is that he is basing his foundation upon if we have our foundation upon this rock this rock that that God has placed us upon there will be no shaking there is no need of defending God's word because God's word will defend itself. 
And when this bit, bit and bridle, when it is removed from man and he is made free from the curse, he begins, he begins to be a willing, a willing servant of God. And, there, and though he still bears flesh that wars against him, he has a, a portion within that desires to do, to do the will of God. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be ye glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. And when God's righteous, God's righteousness is is within our hearts, and we see our we see our lives in comparison to it. We we look at this verse and we say, How can this be? How can this be that 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 I would be righteous. When I look at my life and I see from the time I get up in the morning, my thoughts are vanity. I see how I strive after things in this life. I see how the lusts of my flesh burn within me. I see how I get impatient, especially with those that are closest to me. And I say, how can, how can this verse ever be applied unto my heart? But God in His Word has revealed, revealed this matter that that this is only by faith. And this righteous and this upright uprightness is that that Jesus has performed and that has been imputed unto me. Just as it said in the beginning that the iniquity is no longer imputed, but now he imputes a righteousness and an uprightness of heart. And may it be that we all, that we could all be partakers of this and that the matter of where this was performed, that Jesus in Gethsemane and Golgotha, that this would burn brightly within our hearts. So that when we are placed within in that cliff, which is which is Jesus and his wounds, that this would become a living a living matter within our hearts. And we could wait with joy unto that day when Jesus comes and, and gathers us all and takes us from, from this veil of sorrow here. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, as...
as this this day draws to a close, we ask that you would be with us and care for us. And Father, we ask that even at this meeting that the congregation would would have right after this service here that that you would yet be present with us and 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 be within the hearts of within the hearts of us all and and lead us and guide us in in the ways that are our truth now the lord bless us and keep us the lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us the lord lift up his lift up the countenance upon us and give us peace in the name of the father and the son and the holy ghost amen mentioned, as was previously announced, tonight's the time for our congregational meeting to discuss nominations for guest preachers, ministers that we may invite for Christmas and for Easter. And it's been our custom in the past to invite at least one guest speaker or two whatever is your preference for Christmas time and the ones we've invited for Christmas have been from North America from the United States or from Canada and just a reminder that tonight we'll only be nominating preachers and the actual voting for these nominations will be two weeks from tonight so what is your preference for Christmas? Maybe what we should first discuss is do we want one guest uh, minister or two? Anybody have an opinion or thoughts? Walter? It's been suggested and seconded that we would have invite two speakers for Christmas from outside our congregation. Um, Bernie? I think it'd be good if we would bring out the names of different speakers. Many times you get Yeah, having two, if we do have, decide to have two, then we ought to have quite a few names, a few names, because even though it's September, for some people that's, that still may be too short notice. So why don't we maybe just have a show of hands, or is anybody opposed to having two? Why don't we just plan to vote to have nominations, assuming we'll have two speakers for Christmas invited so let's open it up now to nominations any suggestions Gary Gary nominated David David Lappy from Michigan is there a second to that 
It's been seconded. Any other nominations? A Warren? Thoughts on that, Gary? Okay. That's what we could do. Yeah, I mean, we can. They have the, he has the right to, to suggest that it wouldn't work at that time. And we can nominate him again for Easter. So we have that option. Wilfred? be here the whole time, so we'd be glad to utilize him if he is in the area. Okay, someone had their hand up over there. Bernie? Bruce Estela, any second to that? Bruce Estela. That's three if we count Don. I don't want to miss anybody over here, so if I'm not looking this way enough, just call for me. Carl? Is there a second to that? Second. David Kopanen. That's four. Dave? No, Billy. Oh, Billy? Ken Storm? There's a second to that. Any others? How many, how many are you doing we have five so far, and I think it'd be good to have at least six if we want to call two. Are you, are you counting that I'm calling. Oh yeah, I'm counting Don right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's say we have. Well, we're, yeah, but we're not sure how long he'd be able to be here with us either. Yeah. 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 Well, we're open to more nominations. Tim? Does anybody have a second? Okay. Dave? 
Okay, is that better? Okay. Any other nominations? Steve? It's been moved and seconded that nominations cease. If you have more nominations, you can turn it down. All in favor of nominations ceasing, say aye. Aye. All opposed? So we have David, David Lappy, Don Salo may be in the area, Bruce Estela, David Kopanen, Ken Storm, and Mark Matson. We'll move on to Easter. Randy? Yeah. Um, was that settled regarding John Salem? Now, was he considered a third uh, man, or is he going to be one of the ones who called? Well, would somebody like to second him, or would someone like to nominate him? He was? Okay. We will, even though we'll treat it as if he wasn't coming into the area, and we'll call him and invite him if, if he's voted on. Easter, again, our custom has been to call usually uh, one speaker from Sweden, Norway, or Finland, usually Finland because of the language, having translators. Um, Is it the congregation's preference to call a speaker from Scandinavia or Finland and one from, from this side of the ocean? Again, Steve. We've done that before. Sometimes we've called a, an older one and a younger one. There's a second to that. Bernie. Uh, it's been nominated in second that we call two. Um, all in favor of that, that we call two from Finland or anywhere else in Scandinavia, raise your hand. Anyone opposed? Okay, we'll plan to call two then. Bernie, did you have a nomination to start with?
Bernie's nominated um, Espedi and Kova at at once, so they could travel together. What's that? First name is Yoram. Yeah. I'll just deal with this last name. A little bit easier. Was there a second to that? Okay. Tim? Take them one at a time, although that way, that one I did in combination. I don't necessarily have an answer for you on that right now. Any other nominations? Uh, Esperi and Kova, we did together. Wilfred? Is there a second to that? So that's actually four that we have now. Billy? He was last year during the, the when we had the convention in Ringe. Yeah. But that's that's already, what, three years ago maybe? Timo Ore. That's five. Um, additional nominations. Um, Brian. Pavel, what's his last name? Is there a second to that? When it comes time to voting for these in two weeks, we can we can talk about which ones are younger and which ones are older and and who might be a good partner with who too. But for now we're just taking nominations. That's Esperi and Kova. The Uli, two Ilibab brothers, Timo Ore and Pavo Talonen. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six. Any others? Steve? Ivar Lumper. Lumpa. And it's been second. We'll have to find out how his health has been. Sometimes in the past he hasn't been able to come because of his health. Maybe he's fine now. Any others on this side?
Dean. been moved and seconded that nominations would cease. All in favor, raise your hand. All opposed? Okay. So again, for Easter, Esperi and Kova, the Ulipad brothers, Timo Ore, Pavel Talonen, and Ivar Lampa. And the, the Follow-up meeting is two weeks from tonight, September 23rd. And if anybody didn't get all these names, they can see me afterwards to write them down so you can consider who you might want to vote on next time. Sunday school will begin Sunday at 9.30 in the morning. We'll plan together again for our Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., and I believe there's a meal following. And does anybody know what group is it? Is it four? Group two is serving. And do you know what group two is asked to bring? Spaghetti and fruit. Fruit for dessert. There will also be an afternoon service following at 2 p.m. And we'll close by singing song 147 from the small blue book. And during the singing of the song, we'll carry a free will offering for the benefit of the church.